Well, hi there, I'm Julie. And I'm Erica. And this is the Unshaken Book Chat, and we are so glad you're joining us again today. We're going to spend about 20 minutes or so, maybe longer, depending upon how much we like to talk, <laughs> um, about a book that we love, both of us love, called How to Be Free from Bitterness. Now, it's not a book that is like a novel that you just sit down and read for pleasure. It's a book that you really have to think about. And it's actually been a really good book for both Erica and I in our lives. And so we thought this would be a great chance for us to walk through it with you. Yes. And um, be sure that you have subscribed to Unshaken Podcasts. You can get the new episodes every week. They drop on Thursdays. And this season we're talking about, Julie's talking about the focus of living out your faith in real life. And this book is a wonderful help. So we hope you're following along and enjoying and being challenged just like we are. Yeah, it's going to be, we've already done chapters one, two, and three, which actually I should make a note, Erica, that it's not really a book of chapters. It's really a book of essays. Mm -hmm. And some of them are not written by the main author, Jim Wilson. They're written by other people. Um, but they're all very, very good. So we're going to be talking about essay number four mm -hmm. or chapter four today. Okay, so this is just a short little chapter. Um, it's only four pages, which I think is why it's an essay. But wow, oh wow, mm. it is packed with a lot of good concepts and challenges and really good truth. It's called Fits of Rage. And um, we might think of Fits of Rage like you know, you might say someone has a short fuse, right? Or they're losing it or, mm -hmm. you know, she just was going ballistic um, or having a temper tantrum like a three-year-old. I actually can probably think of a few of these people that I've met out in the real world in the past year because of some of the changes we've had in our world. I've seen some of these types of things before. Mm -hmm. And this chapter doesn't just talk about the problem. It also talks about how we need to respond to our lives and how we can actually respond with godly reactions, with reactions that actually bring glory to God. So yeah, I think it's going to be a good, good discussion. Yep. So the first question is focused on Galatians 5, 19 through 21. I'm going to read that real quick here. Um, it says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the mm. kingdom of God. Wow. <laughs> yeah, those are some really powerful verses. And um, I guess the question is, it says those who live like this. And that's a statement of normality. So if a fit of rage or any other sin is normal, it says that we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hmm. That's um, sobering. Yeah. So the question is, what vices are hindering you? Well, wow, wow. Um, I think we kind of have to think about what a vice is. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually looked it up. I'm going to be the queen of definitions right now here. <laughs> but um, it's immoral. Or wicked behavior. Now we always talk about vices, and they kind of people have kind of normalized them. I think, mm -hmm. like, oh, what's your vice? Chocolate, you mm -hmm. know. But actually, these are sin. This mm -hmm. is just plain sin. And I think women in general. I mean, I know that sin is sin. Men and women have sin, but I think there are some sins that are more prone for a woman to deal with. Maybe gossip. Mm -hmm. uh, pride definitely is in there, although. Both of those are men's sins too. Mm -hmm. Covetousness, laziness, gluttony, maybe even 
you know, some of the addiction type things like addiction to wine or something else that we might call a vice, but really we're just normalizing our sin. But if we belong to Jesus Christ, we are done with our sinful nature based on Galatians 5.24. Yeah, and just kind of going back, I mean, some of those sins in that list, you know, some of them are really far removed from us. Yeah. But some of them are right there with us. You know, uh, I think we're going to talk about, um, you know, later coming up gossip and um, rivalries and envy and uh, yeah. fits of anger right in there with those. Yeah. So these aren't all far removed from us. Yeah, it's interesting that they're all in that list. Mm-hmm. They must have been an issue. Boy, that's an example that the Bible, whatever happened in the Bible, which is an older book, mm-hmm. it's still applicable today right. because we have those same issues. That's true. So like you said just now, Julie, if we belong to Christ, we are done with our sinful nature. And this just makes me think of John 3 where um, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. Um, and there is a death of the old man that happens. Yeah. And in fact, like our baptism is like a burial ceremony. Um, and we're new. We're a new creation, Ephesians tells us. So mm. um, things that never were before, we can now become when we keep in step with the Spirit. Yeah. So those who belong to Christ are crucified the flesh with its passions. And what does that look like? Crucifying the flesh. Wow. Well, you know, that I think that means we've killed it, right? Mm-hmm. We kill that sin. We kill that flesh, which I think is an ongoing process mm-hmm. because we're always struggling through it. Um, when, we've, when we've done away with our sinful nature, we, we've killed it, which is kind of harsh. Um, so recently, um, we have these kitty cats on our back deck. We have a, a mama cat and three baby kittens, and they are stray cats, and they've just kind of become our insta pets okay (laughs) and um the mama cat is a good mama you know she feeds those cats and takes care of them and she trains them Mm -hmm. and recently she brought in the past week two chipmunks and a bunny up that she had killed for her bunny for her kitty cats to eat wow and um it was not really a pretty sight in fact it was a little bit grotesque as you looked out there and you know, we saw blood and the guts of those animals as they were eating them. By the time we got to the third one, I'm like, no. And my daughter took that um, animal that had been attacked and killed off the deck so they'd eat it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really disgusting. <laughs> it was not uh, what I had wanted on my back deck. Uh, so it reminds me that, you know, this, this is exactly what we have to do with sin. We have to kill it. And rip it apart, which means sometimes we have to get down in there. It's going to be bloody to some degree or messy. It's going to hurt. And um, yet that's what we have to do. Um, We have to kill it. We can't just put it aside. We can't just walk away from it. We can't just turn away from it because it'll stay there. We have to kill it. Yeah. And I think one of the things he talks about in this chapter that is helpful is to not speak about our sin in euphemisms. So mm. to not, you know, call it what, what you mentioned earlier, like going ballistic or I, I lost right. it or, you know, we, we can put kind words to it. And I don't think that helps us. No, not at all. In fact, I think one of the things that happens when we do that which I think is what you're saying, is it does just what he said at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It normalizes it, Mm -hmm. that it's okay to go ballistic now and then. Oh, that's just how I was. Right. Instead of realizing that there's sin at the heart of that, even if there's issues around it, we still have to fight it. Yeah, I came across this quote a while ago, and I 
looked it back up for this chapter, but it's from Charles Spurgeon. And it says, learn to be honest with God. Hmm. Do not give fair names to foul sins. Call them what you will. They will they will smell no sweeter. Oh, so that wow. little phrase, you know, don't give fair names to foul sins. Like, why do we try to make it look pretty so we don't feel so yeah. bad about yeah. what we've done? So just calling our sin what it is. So jealousy... Envy, fits of rage, those are things that we're really like doing, not all of the ways we try to dress it up. Wow, that's really good. That's a great quote. Yes, because it, 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 is. it is so easy. to. We're so sophisticated mm-hmm. that we come up with these fun, flowery names for the sin that's been around and been in our heart for years. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's great. Okay, so, um, you know, what about Erica? Let's talk a little bit more practical because I think... Um, maybe even talking about killing our sin, we got to talk about what do we do? So let's start by saying in regard to fits of rage, what topic or situation seems to push your button every time it happens? Mm-hmm. I know for me, I will say right up front, mine, my biggest button pushing moment <laughs> is when my system or my plan is messed up. I think my heart is so often self-focused that I just cannot see beyond the walls of Julie. And I'm like, this is how it's going to be. And, you know, I remember one time I was in a group of people and their child said something that was very self-focused and the, and the person stopped and said, wait, 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 listen, listen, do you hear the world revolving around you? (laughs) Now that was a little sarcastic and there probably was some sin in it as well. But um, it certainly maybe wasn't kind, but there was so much truth in it and how often I sit in a world of Julie. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when I get angry and I have a desire or fall into fits of rage. It's because my system and my plan is messed up. Mm. What about you, Erica? Well, I think if I didn't have 11 children, I would be a stronger type A personality. <laughs> uh, like before I was a mom, I would have like ordered my life much differently than I have to now. But I have had to learn the hard way that my plans yeah. are not king. And so I've had to become more flexible and less fussy. But I still can get really upset. Um, or let me speak honestly, I can have a fit of rage when Mm -hmm. pressure rises in our home and when things feel like they're on my shoulders or time crunches, lost shoes, discipline issues, um, another situation. So yeah, that for me is like when a lot of things mount up and I can feel it rising the pressure is really what can kind of throw me into a fit of rage. So you're like a pressure cooker. Yes. I'm like an Instapot. Um, but I would say another situation where I'm prone to have a fit of rage is when I feel like I fail or Mm. I've already failed to meet someone's expectations. And in particular, I was thinking about holidays. Um, Oh, they are so stressful. Yeah. They're not supposed to be, but I know they're supposed to be this wonderful time and they are, if I have the right attitude about them. So I, I'm particularly tempted, um, because I feel like the ideal is always just out of reach. So I'm grabbing for it all the time, Mm. but I've had to learn to trust God in my lack. And sometimes I'm putting things together as we go. I don't have a perfectly set table. Not every gift is under the tree. I burnt the soup. (laughs) Um, But um, if I can just roll with that, and yeah. drop the expectations and say, you know what, this is part of it. So let's just enjoy it and yeah. praise the Lord anyways. And, and I'm, I'm guessing that one little piece in that whole big puzzle that you just talked about is being careful about how much social media we spend. Because mm-hmm. I tell you what, I can make my pictures look fabulous. Mm-hmm. It looks like 
everything's lovely. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, well, we're actually recording right now in my bedroom and I have like four loads of laundry sitting <laughs> over here on the side because the reality of life is not those picture perfect mm-hmm. images that we see. And I think in our heart, we that also crosses over into covetousness. Yeah. We want what we can't have. Honestly, none of us will ever have a perfectly clean home, but we all think that everybody else does. Right. And and so we call into jealousy or we begin to cross over into all those sins. Right. Or I always think, you know, we think when we have it perfectly clean and yeah. put together, then we'll be happy. Well, yeah. when that happens, there's, it's not the measure of happiness no. in the end anyway. So. And I'm actually guessing that our listeners can probably relate to how you and I both separately struggle with fits of rage. Mm. I appreciate that you brought up that we shouldn't call them euphemisms, right? Mm. And we should actually name it what it is. Um, it's so easy to fall into those fits. And you know what the other thing is? If we listen to the lies of Satan, we can start to think we're the only one who struggles with a sin. And that could be any sin, but it could be fits of rage because it's kind of an embarrassing sin. Mm -hmm. Okay, I guess all sins should be embarrassing, right? But it is something we would never want people to see us do that. And um, I think it's important that we realize that we are all struggling through sin and we all need to build each other up and encourage each other and walk alongside of each other. So I guess a side note, I encourage you to talk to somebody about it. If you're struggling with fits of rage or jealousy or gossip or something that is kind of one of those sins that is hard to get rid of, Mm -hmm. then I think we need to bring it up to a friend and have them pray with us, bring it up to our husband, you know, get it out in the light, Mm -hmm. so to speak, and let God start to do his work and use his people Mm -hmm. to help us. That's good. So... You're kind of mentioning that, but what can we do to prevent fits of rage from building up inside of us? I mentioned Psalm 19, 12, and 13. So Psalm 19, 12 through 13 says, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I think Mr. Wilson, who wrote this essay, used a different version because he used a version that instead of saying presumptuous sins, said willful sins. And I was just thinking about how that is a willful sin is just something that we, you know, outrightly choose to do and sort of approve it because of all the things around it. Like, for example, a fit of rage. Well, if all my kids would just obey in the car, I wouldn't have these fits of rage. So it's okay that I have this fits of rage Mm -hmm. because my kids are acting wrong. Mm -hmm. Instead of claiming the sin as being my own issue. Mm -hmm. If it rules over us, if we don't keep it in check, we really have problems, sin issues, and they just grow. Mm -hmm. We need the Holy Spirit's help to keep a sin like this in check and actually to keep us in killed and dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to prevent it from coming back in. We have to set our hearts on things above, on Christ. Yeah, I, I was thinking of a personal example I have of this, trying learning to prevent fits of rage from building up inside of me. Um, one night a few years ago, we were doing you know family dinner, supposed to be a nice time, talk, have community together. And I don't even remember what wrong, what went wrong. It's it's hard to sometimes have a nice dinner when you have a bunch of little kids, first of all, (laughs) but it went wrong. And I felt my blood starting to boil at some chaos Mm. or some kind of sin or mom fail. And so I did have a fit of rage with the kids. I lost my temper and I yelled pretty badly. And I remember just going out on my porch afterwards and crying 
and I just felt ashamed, which is mm. really what happens after you kind of let loose like yes. that. Yes. Um, I've done that. But instead of beating myself up, like I normally would do, um, I turned to Christ and I started to pray, which wasn't always my first response. Um, so it's definitely I, a learned response. Yes. That's kind of why I'm sharing this example, but I confessed my sin to God um, just, you know, confessing that I'm really not able to be a good mom without you. I need mm -hmm. you. And I remember praying specifically that I needed his grace and I felt very unworthy and undeserving of it. Like God should have put me in a timeout and he, he should, he should discipline <laughs> me when I've sinned. Um, and that he should withhold his love. But mm. I was very surprised because instead of withholding love at that time, he renewed my strength. He comforted me right awesome. there on my porch. And, um, I guess I'm saying it was at a time where I felt very unworthy and yet God was assuring me he was still with me. He was there to help me in my lack, in my need. Right. And so I went back in the house. I asked my kids for forgiveness and we had a blessed night together. So sometimes um, that restoration is sweeter. Now, I wouldn't say go go on and have the fit of rage. You can have the sweet restoration. <laughs> right. The goal is to um, you know prevent them from happening and growing in grace yeah. so that we don't have to be constantly repairing the bridge. But um, his grace is sufficient for that too. So I think that it you know reiterated to me that um, I need to go to him for grace and strength mm. before I blow. Um, which right. I now try to do. And this is where I think, I think we've mentioned throughout this, these book chats, but abiding in him mm. and staying connected to the vine is, um, is a big way to operate in his power and strength. Wow. That is really a great personal practical example of how we can respond to these kinds of situations. You know, we are all going to sin in this way at some point. And we lie to ourselves if we don't. Mm -hmm. If there's anyone out there who has not had a fit of rage, I think go ask your family, mm. go ask your roommate, go ask your coworkers, because uh, sometimes they're really, these fits of rage are really big and loud and bold, but they could also look a little different, mm -hmm. but they're still sin. And it doesn't norm, want to, we don't want to normalize it and make it okay. So I love how you just talked about how you immediately realized it, you confessed it, right? You repented of it in your prayer. Um, we have to do that mm -hmm. because we're going to, we're going to have sin wherever we have sin, we have to repent mm -hmm. and confess it to the Lord and repent of it. And then I love how you talked about how you went back in and apologized to your family. Mm -hmm. That's wow. That sends a huge message to your kids because I'm guessing your kids are sinners. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> and mine are. And when they fail, we want them to know that we that, you know, they can come forth and say they're sorry to us if they've, you know, sinned against us, mm -hmm. just like we do that with them. That is mm -hmm. such a great thing. We have to do that. And we need to go to Christ. It teaches them to go to Christ. Right. You know, that's the only place we'll be cleansed and forgiven. Right. And I, I think too, that, um, one thing that the book points out is that, uh, the building up or the pressure that I, I spoke of, um, and he alludes to is that these are a lot of small sins can gather up into yep. the big sin. Sure, <laughs> and sure. so our confession really needs to start way before the fit of rage, like the little fractures, the little offenses, the little things that are starting to mount. If we can address those and be dealing with those along the way, it really is a preventative measure to blowing up. Absolutely. That's really important because 
isn't that just what um, what happens in a pot of water? Mm-hmm. You know, it starts out cold, mm-hmm. but as it gets heated up, and we may not even notice it, and then pretty soon it's just mm-hmm. bubbling and probably boiling over, mm-hmm. you know, all over your stove, and then you got to clean that all up, you know, it's soup. <laughs> Another mess. I don't want to do that, so. <laughs> Erica, would you read Colossians 3.8 for us? Because the next question asks us, what are some things that we need to do to get, what are some things we need to get rid of? And then we can talk a little bit about how to do that. Sure. Um, Colossians 3.8 says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So I think this verse tells us that, I mean, it basically says to get rid of all those things, anger, malice, rage, slander, filthy language from our lips. Uh, It says to put them all away in my version, but I think that's another way to say uh, kill them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, An episode that I did a few weeks ago on the topic of sin included a really good conversation with Aaliyah Bailey Mm -hmm. about some of those big words, repentance, confession, forgiveness, um, is really, really good. And if you have not listened to that one, I just encourage you to head back to that episode. It's in this season and listen to it. And it might be one you want to revisit occasionally because it is a constant work. It's like brushing your teeth or exercising. It's not always fun, but it's always fruitful if we're doing it with a soft heart towards God, if we are consistently going before the Lord and confessing our sin on a daily basis. Okay, so a couple things I think that are helpful when we're walking through um, fit of rage and we want to get rid of these things. Um, One is obviously, and you you talked about these too, is we need to see that it's sin Mm -hmm. and name it, right? We can't just put a nice euphemism on it and make it fun. We have to name it. So I had a fit of rage. And then the second thing is we have to be in prayer, which I love that your example showed that. We have to confess it. We have to repent of it. And we have to turn from it. And that means turning to God. And number three, I actually think having a plan to put on something instead. So the Bible talks about putting off the the sin and putting on righteousness. Uh, I talked a little bit about that with Aaliyah. But one of the things I think that might be helpful is to like walk through how to respond to our family. Like when we are having that that moment where we are overloaded, okay, what can I do? I'm going to stop for a minute and I'm just going to pray or I'm going to review a Bible verse in my head that I've been memorizing, mm. um, maybe even journaling about it. So we can have a list of ways we could write it down, maybe even writing down ways that would could be proactive so that when we're in that situation, we actually have a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes for me, communication is the problem and I have not communicated well to my family what I need to do. Or they have not communicated well to me what I need to do, and then I become angry. And I have a fit of rage because I'm thinking, why did you not tell me that you have to work all day today You know, at this job? I was expecting you to help me with this. Mm-hmm. And how easily, see, I'm getting angry already, so I'm thinking <laughs> about that. That's not even happening. But we need to, and I thought, okay, I need to be a better communicator. And my kids, for example, need to be a better communicator. Mm-hmm. That is something that we can do that's proactive to talk through how to do that so that we're not in that situation. Now, that doesn't solve my heart's issue, but I do think that's really good. Um, I also remember one other proactive thing we did a long time ago, and that was we purchased a large van for a while. It was used. It didn't cost very much money. And this was so our kids could spread out in the car. Hmm. And now, and not everybody can do that. I, I'm guessing with 11 kids, you really can't. 
Yeah, but not all 11 right in the van anymore. anymore. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that we helps. used to make our kids sit yeah. on their hands, you know? Oh, there you go. See, sometimes <laughs> so, you need to like have a little bit of yes. proaction to see what you can do to help that, especially if you have kids who are struggling with fits of rage too. Mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to say, okay, and that might mean that we have a training session mm-hmm. and being proactive about, okay, this is what we need to do right now when we get angry with your brother because he has used your Legos and broken up your thing, let's talk about how we can do this better next time. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes we just don't have the training to know how to deal with it. That's true. So, okay. Um, Okay, so Erica, Colossians 3, 9 gives us the why and how of what to do. So since you have your Bible open, would you read Colossians 3, 9 and tell us what are the things we're supposed to do? Sure. Okay, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So here it's just talking about we really cannot rid ourselves of our sin on our own. Right. We need the Holy Spirit to show us our sins, and then we need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so to abide in Him mm. and to help us to continue to put off the wrong things, the sin, and to put on the good things, the righteousness. Yeah. Um, there's a difference. Okay, I'm going to get a little Englishy on you. Mm. Are you ready for English? Yes. There's a difference between an indicative statement and an imperative statement. So indicative is a statement of like what is, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of a question. And an imperative is a command. And as a mom, I give a lot of commands, I have to say. So let me read Galatians 5, 24. And you can tell me, Erica, is this an indicative or an imperative statement and why? So it says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and evil desires. Okay, I don't know the exact right answer to this, but I'm guessing it's both. Um, I think it, you know, it describes the state of a Christian who is no longer a slave to sin. Um, but it's a command that you are not therefore now to act in this way. Hmm. So if someone's born of the spirit, then a fit of rage, this is from the, a quote from the book. Um, if a person is born of the spirit, then a fit of rage is not normal nor acceptable. So if he has one, he has accumulated many little sins. He must repent, confess and be receive forgiveness. Hmm. Um, it's not a way of life. It cannot become a way of life for the Christian. Otherwise, we really have to go back to the drawing board yeah. and say, well, what am I believing about my salvation? Do I understand what Christ has done, yeah. that I am no longer a slave to sin? I am a slave to righteousness. Mm-hmm. And um, I, don't, I don't live this way anymore. So. Yeah, right. Okay, well, let's take a minute before we're done with our episode today and talk a little bit about like we always have to go back to how can we apply this in our life? Mm-hmm. I, I do think this chapter was full of application for me. <laughs> and I, but we always have to ask that. Um, he talked about not letting areas of our life that hinder this Holy Spirit from working. And I think we need to go back to the same things of making sure that we have a soft heart toward God, which means daily confession of our sin, reading the Bible on a consistent basis, fighting the to change the sins with the Holy Spirit's help in our life, you know, striving for righteousness. I love the verse at the end of the chapter. It, um, it's John 15, 4. It says, Remain in me, and I re- will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Um, I think that's really important to remember that we will not bear fruit if we are not in Christ. And if we are holding on to these fits of rages, and other sins that really are collapsing us, right? They're really taking us down. We will not find ourselves doing the good work that God has called us to do. And I, I want to do good work for God. I, I'm guessing most Christian women do. So we have to keep our hearts soft. 
And I think we have to be proactive about it because, boy, these sneaky fits of rage, they just kind of show up. Mm -hmm. So we have to think, how am I going to deal with it? So what about you, Erica? Um, I think for me, I need to make sure I'm dealing with little faxes or tiny offenses in my um, life that I don't Mm. let these little things accumulate. Um, I mentioned before that I tend to be a stewer. And, um, gosh, you're an Instapot and a stewer. Well, you know, I don't know. My <laughs> metaphors break down, I but <laughs> my husband has said that at points, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I become a tidal wave because yeah. I just let the water gather up and up and up and up. And then Ooh. there I'm going to go. There's a good so, analogy. Yeah. Um, and that is, that's not the way I want to live. And I definitely see God doing work in my life through this. But for me, it means, um, communicating like you said and talking about things before uh, before they start to accumulate and really trying to deal with things the little things um, along the way mm. and uh, just that quote that I already mentioned by Spurgeon but the the main phrase do not give fair names to foul mm. sins to just call it what it is and to deal with it because once I see what it is I'm like oh I don't want that in my life I gotta work through that yeah. so super good very very good good conversation today. Thank Mm -hmm. you for being on today with me again, Erica. Thanks, Julie. Hey, next week we're going to be talking about chapter five, the essay called Taking Offense. And I think this fits in so well with everything we've been talking about. And um, I think it's going to be another really good conversation. And Erica's going to join me again. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.